talk. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of You Talk Too Much and we are here in Sylvia Park at Little District. Um, I'm inspired by that YouTube series Drunk History where they do interviews while consuming um, iconic beverages so I'm here with my wine and my guest for today is my friend Mille. And our topic is a New Zealand-born Tongan perspectives, or New Zealand first-generation New Zealand generational New Zealand perspectives. So, I'm just going to hand the mic over to Mele, and she's just going to introduce herself and share a little bit about her, yeah, herself for you guys. Hi. Um, so I was born and raised in um, Auckland. Um, through in the 80s. Um, my parents came over in the 70s, um, probably as part of that influx of Tongan migrants that came through. Um, and yeah, we've just, um, we settled in Auckland, um, originally in Greyland, and then um, out further, sort of central ways. Um, yeah, and it's just, um, yeah, so thanks now for the invitation today to discuss um, one of the many topics we always <laughs> spend so much time on. <laughs> thanks for that, Mele. My first question for you um, is, like, what were your experiences growing up? as a first-generational New Zealander that sticks in your mind. Yeah, like, that really, I don't know, you defined your experience as a first-generational New Zealander. Um, my immediate response to that question is um, feeling other, is that otherness, that um, being different to most of the people in the room gives you, being, um, I suppose, one of the, just just being brown in an environment that wasn't always full of brown people, or people that I could recognize or um, relate to, identify with. Um, so it was everything from um, school, to church, the only place I had brown people was at home, like family and um, yeah, so I especially remember at school, um, it was always really interesting, well, yeah, you just, you, you really feel the otherness because um, we grew up pretty Tongan. <laughs> And so going to school, mum would always um, lather us up in hinalolo. It was all up on my knees, all up on my face, all through my hair, and then she'd um, plaited and, you know, um, the classroom was full of um, balangis, maybe a couple of Asian kids, one or two um, maybe Indians or from elsewhere in the world. And um, 
you know, and you get a bit of bullying with the, oh, you smell weird, and oh, go stand over there. <laughs> Your scent's uh, pretty strong, and yeah, I think I am, despite feeling so other, um, you know, it doesn't, and it, it never really stops, and it takes a long time to grow out of that, to gain confidence again, um, because, you know, it happens all over again once you get to uni, because you you get to high school and you it's a little better in high school because you've got a bigger pool to play in and people are you know um you've got more brown faces to mingle with and um make friends with but it starts all over again at uni especially um heading into a field that not many brown kids ventured into um so i was a english and film major and so, yeah, you can imagine <laughs> what those lecture halls look like. Um, but yeah, I think the main thing I would say is just that feeling of otherness. And where did you grow up in? Like what area, sorry, did you already mention that? Yeah, what area? In central Auckland, okay. I just want to yeah, speak on my experience because I was brought up and raised in South Auckland. And, you know, one of the first things that you learn as a kid when you're interacting with, especially new people that you meet at school or wherever, is to ask, like, what are you? Yeah. That's a South Auckland thing I've learnt after I I don't know if it's like a, you know, where you, but you, that's a very, it's not a rude question. It's like kids just say, what are you? And I can imagine if you're not from South Auckland, it'll be like, what? Am I an alien? Like, <laughs> that's such a rude question to ask, but that's a very normal question they grow up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And whereas for me, it's like, it's a mixture of different ethnicities. So the starting point of interaction starts with, what are you? And I would always say I'm Tongan, you know? But growing up, I was mostly surrounded by Māori culture outside of the home. So I, even up to this day, I have a strong affinity to, to our Māori, which is really weird because I'm full Tongan. And, and people might not know this, especially people who aren't Polynesian, but we're very distinct. We really define ourselves as each island group. So Tongans and Māori, you know, are quite separate from one another, even though to other people they think of us one and the same because we're Polynesian, but we're very separate. And I and I pinpoint the affinity that I have to Te Ao Māori from my childhood because I was Tongan at home, but when I went out, you know, there was that renaissance of Tikanga Māori when I was growing up in the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> I was born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s, but there was that renaissance. And even my Pākehā, my Balangi, my white teachers were getting into that. So I think that explains the way I, how I feel, this positive connection they have to um, the Māori world. Um, also growing up, yeah, like you, that sense of otherness, you know, because my identity as a Tongan, like I believe now in New Zealand, um, the Pacifica like, aspect of New Zealand being in Polynesia is embraced and, and, and we celebrate it. But when I was growing up, they were just coming to embrace Te Ao Māori, you know? They were just so, it was quite early in this whole 
you know, awakening that we had as a nation. So I was educated in things Māori outside the house, but inside the house, of course, like you, everything was Tongan. Um, yeah, so yeah, when I went outside, because I wasn't Māori, there was that sense of lostness because also um, very multicultural, yeah. And like you, I actually uh, was struggling with what being a Tongan Kiwi meant. Um, a sh it was a culture shock to go from my decile one score of 98% Polynesian in Otahuhu, or Tahuhu, sorry, to university where it was a culture shock. Like nothing could have prepared me for that. Like going from being one of the many Polynesian kids to being one of very few. And yeah, so at university, I really felt like I found myself because I had to survive and flourish there or I wouldn't have finished my degree. Yeah, so yeah, that's one thing I remember is just having a strong affinity for Māori things growing up, but also feeling that otherness, kind of feeling lost because outside of my home, you know, the closest culture I could see that was closest to what I was, was Māori, um, but also I was a Māori. <laughs> yeah, so that's one thing I have to say. Um, yeah, so what do you think are some of the biggest struggles you have, especially considering your elders as a New Zealand-born Tongan or New Zealand-born first-generational is it first generation or first generation New Zealander? You're the English teacher. Oh yeah. Yeah, first generation New Zealander. Um, struggles? Yeah, with our elders. Um, I think, yeah, I grew up weird. Um, <laughs> like I didn't grow up with grandparents per se, because my Technically, my biological grandparents didn't really move. They were still in Tonga, so they didn't move to New Zealand till I was like, well past childhood. Like I reckon about 15, maybe earlier, but I didn't see them much, so I didn't really regard them as my grandparents. Um, I regarded my dad's aunt and uncle as my grandparents um, and she was quite old school lovable as anything um, but she was just very 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 conservative so um, it was always an interesting dynamic to watch her reactions and um, listen to her comments and hear her advice um, as we all got older um, you know, she was always about patience and always about like, you know, being modest and things like that, which as we all know is not the way of the young, but <laughs> not always. But um, yeah, I think um, in terms of family, I, uh, yeah, I suppose I did struggle sometimes because mum and dad, of course, did the best they could, but they didn't always understand the difficulty of trying to walk with one foot in both worlds and do it successfully because you're not really 
ever completely part of one world or the other. Um, I think, yeah, difficulties I faced were probably around um, their ideas of success and what they, what paths they felt would take me, lead me to success and how, um, you know, that would always um, result in disagreements. Um, I find, but those those difficulties were kind of, and it's part of being young as well, you're bound to clash with your parents and your elders. Um, I never really clashed with my grandparents. Um, yeah, they were all good. Um, but I find, yeah, I find the the most I clash with elders is in faith communities. Like I really find that like it's really hard um, because you're trying to you you want sustainable faith communities, but the way they do it isn't sustainable but they won't listen or hear innovation or you know they won't even negotiate they won't enter those conversations so it's kind of like I want this to keep going but I don't know how because you know the people yeah so in terms of clashing or not clashing but like yeah in terms of those challenges with elders I wouldn't I wouldn't say my greatest ones have been family. I'd say probably in my faith communities, and yeah, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. In terms of my family, I feel very. I feel like I'm very blessed to have parents that have grown over the years in their understanding of who we are as New Zealand-born understand there are differences I've mentioned in my past um, podcasts that I did choose to spend a year living and teaching in Tonga and that part was a part of my I don't know finding myself and you know living in Tonga it made it helped me to understand my parents and I tell them that like it was frustrating why my parents growing up were just like you know there's a saying in Tongan um, you know, your life, it's about um, church and school, church and school. And it was real, it's, it was real difficult um, for my parents to understand that there was so much more in my life going on. And it wasn't until I moved to Tonga that I was like, yeah, I can understand why my parents are like that because there's actually nothing else to do here other than church and school. Whereas, and I tell this to my parents, you know, like, yeah, um, of course, church and school are a big part of us growing up here in New Zealand but we've also got sports we've also got you know friendship groups we've also got um, you know the internet entertainment we've also got um, balancing different the thing that I also learned living in Tonga was like diversity isn't a thing in the islands my Tongan colleagues would ask me look at my photos of my friends in New Zealand and be like oh my gosh, you've got like so many different friends from different races. <laughs> and I never, I never noticed that until they said it. And I was like, of course, 
you know, and even in Tonga, I managed to find like friends from different races because to me that's so normal. Like, it's it's not like I intentionally do it; it's just natural because that's how we are in New Zealand. You know, you can't help it. It's you, it's really weird if you don't have friends who are different from you. But in Tonga, it's like it's hard to find friends who are different. So yeah, there was one thing that there was one kind of not clash like Mela said it's one kind of um, I don't know interesting dynamic that can be difficult with my elders is them understanding that we grew up in a different environment in spite of the attempts to replicate how they grew up in Tonga here in New Zealand so that's part of the reason why you know our our parents came to New Zealand and immediately found a church community is because it and a lot of people have told me this too, it's replaced the village. So I call the I'm Methodist, so um, Lupe is Catholic. But we, you know, I call everybody that grew up in church my church family because they are, like, almost some of them, I feel like they're more related to me than my blood relatives um, around the world or in Tonga because they became my village. Um, yeah, so that's one challenge is is my parents understanding that the way that they think success goes or the way they think things should go has to be different for us as their children than it was for them and it's always going to be hard because Polynesian culture is very top down like kids are meant to be seen not heard but if we want to succeed for our parents you know because family honour is still a big thing our parents need to be teachable and that's kind of one of the difficulties yeah so uh, Mele my next question is what advantages do you feel like you've had as a first generation New Zealander yeah um so many advantages I can't even, oh gosh, where do I start? Um, oh, <laughs> that's a big question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think the advantages of growing up first generation um, to start with is um, we still had that rich we still have that rich um, culture and tradition to draw on because we have our parents you know the first migrants we're still the connection back to Tonga is still strong because they're still around which we can't really say for as many of us once our generation's kids grow up and all of that, you know? Like theirs will be like a secondary source as whereas we've got the primary source and you know, and it's it's kinda sad to think about it like possibly getting more and more, you know, weaker and weaker almost. Um in New Zealand anyway. Um I think another advantage is, um, um, I think, 
another advantage yeah so in that advantage like part of that advantage is about being able to know my culture and therefore know who I am because I get to celebrate not only who I am through my culture and all of that but um, to I won't have as like I won't have as many questions as I might have had otherwise if I didn't have this rich experience to draw on um, and to inform my worldview kind of thing um, I think some other advantages have been that um, because we're so few you know that thing where it happens that um, when you're a minority and there are a few of you around you just I don't know what it is, you're just drawn to each other, you know, and um, it happens a lot, but I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I'm, all of this is within the frame of my experience, and so, um, you know, as first generation, we were surrounded by other first generation um, Tongans, and so you just get drawn to each other, and then you grow up together, and so we've got these relationships, um, these really strong bonds, as well from growing up together and like trying to navigate um, new situations and rules and um, communities together. Um, I think another advantage is um, um, I think another advantage is that my parents had a like my parents are definitely, definitely like hands down um, why I was so blessed and everything. But I feel like another advantage was parents who arrived with their goal like fresh in their mind. Um, and you know, why else do a lot of us, our island people move over? It's like, you know, more often than not, the answer is for a better life. Whatever that life looks like, like they say for a better life and then it's like, you know, their meaning might just be, oh, you know, food comes more easily or I want them to get educated. I want them to have more opportunities in life, whether that's for travel or education or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I feel like in another advantage of arriving or being first generation is that um, our parents' goals and their um, their vision for us is still fresh in their mind, so they're going to be working harder um, because we, my siblings and I, and we all know it, we're very privileged. Um, we've led very privileged lives. Not easy, but privileged. And we've worked hard, but you know, working hard is um it's yeah yeah and working hard and being successful a lot of the time can be relative and um and subjective um because while we say we worked hard for where we are and what we have and all that jazz um i'm very aware that my dad made a set number of my dad made very specific decisions which helped to lead us to where we are kind of thing 
like he um, decided on where we were going to live. He decided on um, you know the schools we were going to attend. And I mean we're not millionaires, but I mean <laughs> don't get me wrong. But you know it's we are placed in a place of privilege, and we just we remember that we know that. It doesn't look to a lot of the people that we grew up with that like we know that, but we know it. Um, we remember it. Um, yeah, so we're very blessed, very advantaged. Um, um, any other advantages? There are plenty. It's just... Um, I think... Um, I think things like sounds really geeky but like you know I don't know much about this so this is a bit dangerous to talk about <laughs> this but I feel like the economy was readier to accept us you know yeah, now it's true. My yeah yeah and so that we were we had opportunities that maybe today's kids might not so much because and I can already see it because stuff that was available when I was at uni and it was so easily available is like now when you talk to kids at uni they're like oh did that exist and it's like oh man that's sad but um yeah I think things like that um yeah plenty more but just off the top of my head that's yeah that's what I reckon thanks for that Mila sorry you're, you're experiencing what a lot of my guests experience, like just the putting on the spot, <laughs> bearing your soul. Yeah, that's how we do it and you talk too much. I think for me, one of the advantages of being first generation New Zealander is that there's excitement of being the first to chart your family's path here, I guess. You know, like my sister's the first electrical engineer <laughs> in our family. Um, you know, my other sisters are the first urban planners, and we even say like everyone judge like Tongans celebrate everything because it's the first, right? Like in my family, like I have a friend who's uh, became a doctor, and she was like, oh, when my brother got his uh, medical degree, we just went to KFC. <laughs> And I was like, oh my gosh, when we get a certificate, we like, you know, go and book out a hall and have a parade. No, I'm joking. But you know, like, there's excitement to, to being the first to, I don't know, reap the harvest of what the sacrifice our parents made. So that's one advantage. And my sister said, we can't wait to the day where we just go KFC to celebrate someone's achievement because it's normal. You know, there's a there's a sadness to that because it's kind of like, yeah, no, but we're just like, it's a big deal because it's rare. We can't wait till it's normal, even if we choose to still celebrate a big, but a lot of the reasons why we as Polynesians, we as first generation New Zealanders celebrate every achievement is because it's rare, it's still rare, you know? So we can't wait. My siblings and I think we can't wait till it's just like, oh yeah, Another one. <laughs> Another electrical engineer. Another advantage I can think of being first generation New Zealander is that we we are able to, I don't know, bond with other immigrant first generation New Zealanders. Like there's a 
bond that we like my friends you know are from different races and there's a common I don't know if you call it a struggle of you know having parents who are from overseas and us being the first there's a similar kind of I don't know mentality that we develop to survive as Kiwis so it's nice to I don't know you kind of get educated about the humanity of other people being first generation New Zealanders in spite of not um, being from the same you know culture as you but the fact that we're first generation Kiwis bonds us yeah on on saying that there is a like a special kind of bond that you have with other first generation New Zealanders like Mele and I yeah we can talk forever about everything and anything because we're so similar uh, you know if you're born here our parents are hard out Tongan from strong faith backgrounds struggling to navigate being Kiwi we're both very Kiwi but also both love and embrace being Tongan and we bond over that so we kind of share struggles together and also share the love that we have for who we are so it's something that yeah I think is an advantage yeah Um, my next question is like what hopes do you have for any future I don't know children if that is in your mind you know being like second generation New Zealanders like what thoughts do you have about them and how do you I don't know like struggles that they may have that are different to yours or sorry it's a really loaded question because you and I both the same in terms of thinking about the future but yeah so if you do have children like what hopes and dreams or what fears do you have for them um I think I think starting with hopes and dreams um I would hope that the world is um is still here (laughs) that there is water and foliage still in this world (laughs) but um I would I would probably my hopes and dreams would be that they were um they were able to find happiness and um health and um because I know it's it's irrational to expect that people won't have challenging lives, but at least challenges that are able to be overcome, you know? Some are, yeah, it's unfortunately some people get really, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have much else other than that they were happy and healthy. Um, my fears probably outweigh um, any hopes and dreams. Um, my fears are that in terms of who they are, because I just I really firmly believe you need to know who you are to have some kind of direction forward kind of thing like um 
Yeah, my fears would be that because they are second gen, that they would um, maybe struggle a little more to know where they fit in this world. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, to know um, what they are and what they are not. Um, uh, yeah, and just navigating through this world, I would. Um, I would hope, back to hopes and dreams, now that I'm thinking, um, I would hope that they would still have strong bonds and links to um, the faith community they grow up in. Because um, it was interesting, I had a conversation with my little sister once, and she was um, commenting, which I thought was quite astute, because she's um, quite an introvert. So she, you know, she observes and she thinks a lot. She doesn't speak much, but when she does, it's um, usually pretty sharp. Um, not always nice to me, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so she was saying once how um, she says to me, "Oh, you know how um, with Balangis, not a whole lot, or maybe." not as many as in the past go to church anymore. They're not really um, regular participants of faith communities. And I said, oh, okay, yeah. And she goes, oh, you know, because we'd go out for Sunday brunch but after mass and, you know, and she'd be like, oh, yeah, it's really interesting how um, Balangis don't really go to church anymore. But, you know, um, and I said, oh, um, okay. And she goes, yeah, I reckon, um, I reckon brown people are going to get to that stage one day. And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, because if you look at history, the white people like led the church thing. And then now it's like they've died out. And right now, it's our ethnic communities like our brown people holding up these faith communities. So I reckon it might take that same path. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. But yeah, so I was just thinking, oh, maybe as time goes on, that might happen. It might not. But um. Yeah, I just, I would hope, one of my hopes would be that they were still firmly planted, firmly sort of participating in um, a faith community, um, hopefully the one they <laughs> grow up in, um, and that that sort of informs their lives the way it does mine, um, or I try to have it <laughs> um, inform mine. Always trying. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, my fears would be, like, I don't wear it as a badge or anything, but I'm really, like, <laughs> I really worry for the environment, and I don't know if it's because, you know, it's all, not all, but it's a pretty popular topic, and you hear a lot about it, and, um, yeah, with all the dystopian fiction out there, it does make you sort of, mm, um post-apocalyptic I should say but um yeah I just really feel for the environment what sort of environment what sort of world will they live in and grow in and yeah getting off track but um yeah I think my hopes and fears and dreams for um, future generations is pretty straightforward just health and happiness awesome thanks for that Melek just to add on to what you've said, yeah, my 
if I have children, and obviously it'll be second generation New Zealander, I guess I'll start with my fears. Um, yeah, similar to yours. The fear of them struggling with who they are. You know, because you and I, 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 people may look at us and say that we've made it in a way because we're educated and we're self-sufficient and have stable jobs. And I think, you know, we share so many similarities in that, yeah, we are Kiwi, but we're also strongly Tongan and we can navigate between both and we can pick and choose what to take from both. Um, what you know to help us advance ourselves and become better people and I just worry because yeah the link like our elders were like the pure source in a way and you know they're further away from that link that they won't be as grounded as you and I so there is that fear um, yeah so I think my other fear is that uh, yeah, that they won't. That they, yeah, they'd be just so confused. They won't. They'd just be anti everything. <laughs> the confusion, I guess, that's always a fear. Like they won't do. Uh, yeah, and I think my hopes. Yeah, yeah, very impressionable because they're not. They're just will it, like they're not firmly grounded in anything. But you know the hopes. Come, I guess the solution is the hopes. I hope that they are grounded in a faith community because that's how I learnt my culture, you know. And I always explain to people: six days out of seven days of a week, I was Kiwi, and it's on my seventh day when I go to church that I learn my culture and I hear my language. So that and this is a struggle. That's been a struggle for me. Um, but thank goodness. And I said to my mum, I go, "Yeah, we may." be in a mainstream Methodist church and not in the Tongan Methodist but I'm so so grateful that she brought us up in the Tongan church because the network and I can go anywhere and there's someone that I know or there's someone that knows someone I know who if they're Tongan because of the fact that my mum brought us up in the in the Tongan um, Methodist church community being comfortable also a lot of them were first generation New Zealanders too. So we bonded that way. And even with my baby sister, because my baby sister was adopted by the time we left the Tongan Methodist. And there is a sadness, we all feel it. Like she hasn't grown up the way we have, like going to Sunday school, Tongan Sunday school, doing um, Tongan White Sunday, Pakame, you know. So the, I mean, she does a version of it in our mainstream Methodist church, but it's just, it's just so powerful because often even in my work life I'll meet a Tongan or I'll know students and my colleagues will be like how the heck you know would you know them because the my age gap is so big but it's because their mum I knew them at youth group you know and I fear that that my kids because if that's already the case with my five-year-old baby sister imagine my if I have children you know it's gonna be like just as sad I guess the situation for them so that is my fear but yeah my hope lies in it too that they they will be grounded in a faith community that ties them to who they are yeah so very similar to you Mele in my hopes and my dreams for if I do have children 
Um, yeah. So we're going to finish off now. Is there any like last thoughts that you have? I usually ask my guests about our topic that we've discussed. You want to leave our listeners? I'll just give you the microphone so you can share. Um, <coughs> nothing much really. Just um, I just am really appreciative of... Um, it wasn't always easy being a first-generation Kiwi. Tongan Kiwi um, but I think it wouldn't be the same without it I think life is richer for it I think um, the success doesn't really mean anything without those kinds of experiences like because um, when I started school I didn't even speak English wow. yeah oh, that's yeah yeah, that's my favorite story. I didn't start school speaking English and no, English teacher. <laughs> I know something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, um, yeah, I, th- I just, I'm really comfortable where I am now. Um, I'm comfortable with my journey. Um, I lost my dad about uh, four years this year. It was his birthday yesterday. Um, uh, yeah, we celebrated it and um, yeah I know I know when um, he left that he was proud of all of us so you know we don't really wonder or sit around wondering if um, that about him but um, it's it's really like even with all the trials and tribulations of growing up um, you know here and um, all the clashes we used to have but um end of the day it's all worth it and your parents are proud of you regardless and yeah I think just um yeah it's just worth it and it's and I think it's definitely necessary to keep our traditions and cultures alive and I really I really um I really applaud all our um young Tongans and stuff who are like um, who are starting up their own like um, practices and groups and community sort of projects that celebrate our culture whether through the arts or whether through um, hosting Talanoa and like even um, and like initiatives like yours now like this Um, I think it's just really cool and really necessary and um, yeah, to keep this stuff going and keep talking about it and keep celebrating. Yeah, that's all. Nala. Thank you, Mele. Yeah, I'm just... Uh, my closing remarks is, I guess I wish people could understand the struggle that, us, that we have as New Zealand-born, um, my, you know, first-generation New Zealanders, you know. Um, yeah. Like I explained to my uncle, because my other podcasts were about the differences between Tongan-born Kiwis and New Zealand-born Kiwis, is like, for those, Mel and I are both full Tongan, and, you know, we don't have the excuse of one parent being non-Tongan in our struggle. Um, people, you know, the, the guilt, I guess, is, is, is more intense because by, you know, logically, 
we should not be struggling. I, I remember someone going, I was going to do a Tongan paper at university. My mentor, she wasn't um, Polynesian, but she was like, I told her I was doing a Tongan paper. She's like, oh, you'll get an A plus in that. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's other kind of comments that are not helpful, guys, okay? So please ask before you comment. Um, and that, that just was like, yeah, I know I should be getting pluses, but I'll be happy with a C because I struggle. Um, so I hope I, that's what I want people to understand from my point of view from this episode is, you know, there's an extra dimension to our struggle as, especially as full-blooded um, um, New Zealand-borns, like full-blooded, like, immigrant, I guess, um, New Zealand, but New Zealand-born um, people, is that there's a guilt there that some of our mixed brethren don't have because they can always say, oh, well, one of my parents is not, you know. Whereas for us, it's like, our parents are, I don't know. <laughs> Something happened. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> And I think, and 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 then you have your own community um, bearing down on you as well. And I guess yeah, it is tough. And I've I've struggled, and I and I struggled with it until I was like, come to a point point where I was like, you know what? In my heart, I love who I am, and I make an effort, and I and I celebrate who I am, both being full Tongan but also being Kiwi, and how people treat me, it doesn't need to affect me if. Like, people can only affect you if you let them. You know, people can only say you're not Tongan um, and you decide that they're right if you let them. So, yeah, they used to cut. When you decide, you're just like, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you're the police of Tonganness. Yeah, thank, thank you. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and I just learned over the years to be like, you know what? I'm proud. I'm proud of being full Tongan. I'm proud and I'm and I'm grateful to be a Kiwi. And it's about embracing both. And um, and you role model it. I guess I'm, I'm I'm looking to role model it to my cousins because I remember what it was like being their age and struggling. And I need to be a strong role model so that the journey for them is easier than it was for me because my parents didn't know what it was like to be first generation New Zealander. So at least I I as an adult or I was saying we're not like the upper end of the younger years um, could be you know that for them to make it easier for them because that's what I want for them you know so yeah so it's a bit of an intense closing remark but um, you know how I do it um, yeah and yeah I just want to thank you Mila so much she's such a good friend we've been through a lot together in spite of only meeting a couple of years ago but that's how that's just just the bond you have with someone who shares so much of a similar background as you yourself so yeah thank you so much and thank you for little district for providing a space for us surprisingly people haven't been staring at us eh? I've been looking around I've been expecting people to be like what the heck are they doing but like the staff are just giving us space and people around us are just enjoying their tinder dates and uh, yeah it's just been great so yeah um, thank you for tuning in please uh, catch us on our next episode and see you later Malo al pito Talk. Talk.